Reporting on the games you love by people who love to game. The MMO Reporter Network. Greetings, friends, and welcome to Episode 8 of the Game Diplomat Podcast, a bite-sized show about great games you might have missed. I'm your host, Josh Augustine, and today I want to tell you how I sold super-powered axes to happy spud men on an ice cream planet. Delicious. It all happened in Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop? Which is a crafting business management sim game with a healthy helping of whimsy and goofy humor. It was created and self-published by Daylight Studios and released on Steam in July 2015. It has one DLC out now, Spud Tales, The Journey to Olympus. And they're actually already working on the next Holy Potatoes game, which is Holy Potatoes Were in Space. And like this game that we're about to talk about, it looks, but it looks like it has spaceship combat and ground combat added in. So you're leading your band of adventurers and actually using the things you're crafting to fight off things. It sounds so amazing and you should be so excited right now that you can't even sit still and you're rolling down your window to shout at the cars passing at you to let them know that Holy Potatoes Word Space is coming. Bet you didn't even know that Holy Potatoes was a franchise, but it is, and it's in all caps with many exclamation points and question marks thrown into the title. It's just outrageous. So first, let's take a look at how you play Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop. So you enter the happy world of Potato-topia as a young, inexperienced, naive potato boy who's inherited a blacksmith shop named Papa Fritas from his father. Well, actually, you get to name almost everything. Papa's Fritas is just what I named it. And I don't know what the world is called, so I just made up Potato-topia. But it seems like a nice name. And it is a super cute world that's colorful, cheerful, homey. Everything that could possibly be turned into a potato or a potato word pun has been. This world is just adorably goofy in all the right ways. So you've inherited this blacksmith shop and you use it to craft outrageous weapons and you sell them to nearby adventurers so they can use them to go out and fight things, right? So it's the classic twist on like in an RPG, usually you're the person going out questing, adventuring. This flips it around a bit. So you're the weapon vendor. You're the guy that sits in the shop all day and the adventurers come in. I want a sword with really fast attack speed or I want a sword that has magical properties and you craft it for it, give it to them. Then they go out and do something with it and gain experience and level and they level up. Uh, but all the meanwhile, you're getting money and reputation, which is really what it's all about. Because as you progress through the store, you're earning money, right? But of course, it's holy potatoes. So it's not called money. It's called starch with the dollar sign for the S. <laughs> uh, and you just amass that. And you recruit and train new potato-shaped artisans to join you on your most epic of quests. You know, crafting things for other people on other epic quests. And that may sound easy and goofy and fun. And it is all those things. But you're going to put way more brain power than you ever expected into maximizing the efficiency of, as of assembling these adorable armaments. There's just so much that you can do to get just a little more stat points in there, which will earn you a little bit more money or allow you to complete that quest. Uh, and of course, along the way, you're going to laugh at the clever and goofy characters that stop by your shop to tell stories or give you challenges or quests for to craft them certain things. And then continuously throughout the whole time, just picture, so you're doing all the things we just talked about. Throughout that whole thing, you are dancing. And that's how you kind of bring the tools of death and destruction into this plane. You just dance. And then you murder everyone. Just kidding. <laughs> this is a happy game. It's filled just with happy spuds making happy duds. All you do is smile big and love life. 
All right, let's talk about the seven reasons you should play Holy Potatoes a Weapon Shop right now. Number one, it will make you dance. I wasn't joking when I said that you dance as you craft. The adorable little potato people have silly little wiggle dance animations. I'm, I'm doing it right now. Like kind of moving your arms around and your hips and just kind of grooving. And they just do this the whole time that they're supposedly working crafting these weapons. It looks more like dancing, but they say it's working. And hey, I get weapons out of it, so I don't question it. You know, potatoes can be magical dance beings that temper metal with their sweet dance moves. I don't care. I get my weapons. But can I just say for a second that if that's really what potatoes are up to, they do not get enough credit in the food pyramid. Anyways, so their little rhythmical dance is mesmerizing and extremely addictive. I am not at all ashamed to say that I spend probably about 10%, maybe 10 to 15% of the time that I spend playing this game is really just me dancing in my office chair like a potato. And that may sound like bad dancing, like, but I'm thinking about taking this tater twist move to the clubs in San Diego pretty soon. So if you start hearing buzz about that, you will know where it all started. You were there on the ground floor. Holy potatoes got the tater twist going. It's so good. Anyways, if you want to check it out, uh, like always, I live stream the game. You, you should check out just these sweet dance moves. I, I try to imitate it during the live stream, which is on the show or on the website, gamediplomat.com. Uh, but you can see the potatoes doing it for real in the live stream as well, not just me trying to do it. But if I'm going to be totally honest, it's not a hard dance move. I don't have great rhythm, but I think I even I can pull off this sweet tater twist. It is just a fun dance to do. And a lot of times, my wife will be sitting in the room nearby reading a book or something. And she just looks over and I'm doing my little dance. She's like, what are you doing? I play Holy Potatoes. It's a happy game. It makes me happy, right? And when I'm happy, I just got to dance. So anyways... I know someone has already turned off this episode of the podcast uh, during the segment because they're just confused or maybe offended by my enthusiasm for potato dancing, but it's really a key part of the bigger reason why I love this game, right? It's goofy, it's silly, and it's fun. First and foremost, that is its goal. This game wants you to have fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's more fun for you if you don't either. But reason number two to play this game, it is a legit business management sim. The amiable little main character Spud may be naive and bumbling about, but with your help, he has to run a pretty big business. There's a lot of people that need weapons to go do adventures or whatever they do in this candy land. Uh, and you have to know your market, right? What stats and what weapons do those adventurers want? Some want swords, some want axes, and some want different stats on those. And how can you manipulate the crafting of those items in your shop so that you get the most reward for it when you go sell them on the auction? Which character do you choose to do the one-time boost when you're crafting each weapon? Do you hire on temporary workers or contractors to come in and give you a super boost just to get the most epic of weapons? Or is it not worth it? Will they pay just fine for, you know, a simple dagger that just has a little bit of speed? And so maybe you can kind of go cheap on this one. And that's just the selling part of it. You know, how are you going to balance paying your salary for all your potato workers? Potatoes don't work for free, buddy. How are you going to upgrade your shop? Um, there, you can upgrade tons of different stuff. We'll talk about that a little later. But there's different slots, and, and slots can only have one thing in it. So which one do you choose? Which one do you choose first? Because you can only buy some at certain times. Uh, how do you buy supplies? How do you balance giving your employees time off, right? Because they get tired. They need time off so they can get refreshed. All the while you're doing that, you need to be making enough money to pay rent and keep the lights on. So Holy Potatoes doesn't really break the mold of business management sims, right? But it's got everything you want from one. It has that core business management play. 
And underneath its adorable, soft visuals and themes are deceptively complex simulations that if you want to maximize your business, you really need to master. Reason number three, the potato people. Bum, bum, bum. So let's talk about these little employees you're teaming up with for a second. Because they're adorable, and I love them. So you start with three. You start with Laura Kraft, Bulk Bogan, and Russet Peters. <laughs> so if you, do, if you don't get the jokes, they're all puns on real people. Most often with like a flair for like a potato pun thrown in there if it can. Other times crafting like Laura Kraft instead of Laura Croft. Uh, but here are just some of the other contractors you can hire. Steve Mobs, Spudlock Holmes, Donald Macaroonald, and Stevie Flounder. So it's just super goofy stuff. There's like a Charlie Brown guy. I can't remember his name. He's wearing the shirt and he has the goofy head. But everyone's just a potato version of all those characters. <laughs> and there is a story going on, but it's super silly too. Like the person who's mentoring you, who kind of introduced you and told you, hey, I worked with your grandfather. I'll be the guy collecting rent. Hmm, sketchy. Um, he appears to be like a, a, a spud version of James Bond, but he might also be a bad guy. I can't really tell if they're doing like dramatic, like uh, CSI things where he like flips on his spy mask and says a line. Uh, and I don't know if that's supposed to be sinister or if he's just being dramatic. He might be a bad guy. I don't know. The whole story though is over the top with dramatic lines in the dialogue. And, it, and all of it does, all it really does is it just keeps the interlude between crafting inter entertaining enough to flip through. Because you're not like, ooh, really invested. Ooh, I really want this guy to win. Although I will say the bumbling little protagonist is kind of adorable. And I really want him to succeed because he's just so happy. And whenever he gets excited about money, he does like the whole kind of anime thing. Where the potato head stretches and his eyeballs turn into dollar signs and that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's just super fun. And that leads us straight into another thing we can enjoy flipping through. Reason number four. Their website has little comics! <laughs> Let me just read this to you, okay? So this is a comic on their website. You can go check it out, day-lightstudios.com. In the beginning, there was a naked potato who discovered a hammer and some pants and became a potato smith. Hashtag potato logic, hashtag YOLO. <laughs> All right, so how do you play this game? It asks next. Step one, hire potato smiths to design, craft, polish, enchant, Step two, forge weapons. Step three, profit. And all these comics are animated with super cool <laughs> features going on. And then it says, there's also a whole story about winning back your late grandfather's shop. There you go. The, the game sold you in a comic, read over audio. Probably the worst possible way to <laughs> absorb comics. But there you go. And we learned it's actually your grandfather's shop, not your father's shop like I thought it was. So whoops, there you go. So, see, we all learned a little something from this delightful little comic today. <laughs> and we also learned what a tiny little naked baby potato looks like. But, I mean, that's kind of weird when I say it like that, isn't it? Uh, it it's super funny on the site, so you should check it out. The, the little highlights of who discovered some hammer and pants are very pre precisely put to block anything that you might see. So it's very safe, and there are pants flying through the air, and he looks very excited to see pants. 
So uh, anyways, let's just forget that ever happened. <laughs> There's also, here you go, distraction. There's also a little Twitter feed in game, like in Sims or in Tiny Tower, where like the adventurers that buy your stuff will post about what they go and do with them and give some heroic battle cry about how they killed all the stuff, how happy they are with it. They'll say everyone should buy stuff from, you know, potato shop. And your workers will talk about goings on and that sort of stuff. Ultimately, all of this boils down to one big thing I love about this game. It proves that there is joy in this cold, dark universe. Reason number five. There are tons of planets to explore in your progression. So your shop is located on a planet that can travel through the cosmos or something. I don't know. Somehow you get to different solar systems. And each solar system has a few planets in it. Often shaped like ice cream cones or giant beer kegs. And have silly pun names like Buffet Mountain or Murky Miso Marshes. Um, each of these planets has exotic resources you can forage for, stores to buy stuff from, adventurers to buy things from you, and vacation spots to send your spuds to. So when Laura Craft over there is getting too stressed out from designing all those bank-filling dirks, you can just send her packing to go sledding down some slushy hills on Slurpee Planet or whatever. It sounds amazing, and frankly, I'm totally jealous that I don't get to go to Slurpee Planet and ride down slushy hills, but that's what they get to do when you pay for their little vacation package. And that's the big part of the management. A lot of the stuff you do other than crafting is done on all these other planets. You go sell stuff, you go buy stuff, you travel, all that sort of stuff. Every time you do that, you need to send one of your workers there to do it. And so it's tough because when you send Laura Craft to go do that, if she's also your best strength crafter, right, the best one at putting strength stat on your items or whatever, uh, that's one less crafting station that's filled by her, which means the weapon you're making won't get those stats, which means it won't sell for as much or it may not qualify for that strength quest you're trying to complete right now. So you have to be smart about who you send, when, and what you do during the downtime and try and take advantage of it. Like, okay, I know I can sell a Dirk that just has really low speed on it or whatever so then you know hey when i need to sell i'm gonna send the speed guy and then i can just craft whatever it doesn't matter the dirk's not bad because i can still sell it oh and of course i should mention all those different tasks that you can spend potatoes on have different skill lines too so they get better at auctioning off items as they do it or foraging for goods they get better and the more they do it so you need to be careful about how you do it and all that sort of stuff you get the point by now it's a it's a business management game right has that core foundation that's fun and sticky and keeps you keeps your brain engaged meanwhile the the game is just goofy and silly and whimsical reason number six upgrading your shop right you can do it it's fun i already kind of mentioned it a little bit but Let's break it down, because I think this is a big part of kind of understanding how the game works. Your shop has one workstation for each stat type that you can put on weapons. Speed, accuracy, damage, and magic. And each station can have multiple workers assigned to it or no workers assigned to it. And the weapon that's created over the course of a minute or so, that's how long it takes to make a weapon, each person assigned to a workstation adds some stats to it every tick. So you can even move people around in the middle of crafting an item, so you can really fine-tune what sort of stats end up on there. And it, because each person has affinity for certain stats, like Laura Craft may be really good at putting speed on there, but is really bad at adding magic. So you don't put her at the magic station because she'll be awful. Uh, but you get like a Thor guy at one point. He's awesome at putting magic on weapons. So you toss him over at the magic working station. And it's cool. And it's fun to kind of balance that stuff. But sometimes you really only care about a single stat on a weapon because you're trying to complete uh, a quest or something that potato... potato 
Odin just walked in the door and gave you. He wants a dagger that has a hundred magic stat on it, and he doesn't care about anything else. So these are fun little kind of curveballs that they throw at you, along with events, right? Like an earthquake will happen, it'll disrupt what you're doing, or on a certain planet, they'll be throwing a festival, and so they want daggers more than anything else. And these are little events that just kind of mix it up. But these quests, I think, are the most interesting thing. Basically, heroes will come to your door and be like, I am on this grand quest, and you usually recognize them from some pop culture thing, like Odin or whatever, and I need a weapon that does this and i'll say i need it in 30 days and you can craft it much faster but the trick is like putting all the pieces in place to reach whatever that absurd requirement it is because they aren't coming in asking for normal weapons they're the heroes that want the outrageous weapons so a lot of times you just ditch efficiency and you're like okay he wants a hundred magic hammer like if i put everyone on the magic station and i hire the best contractors to step in and give a big temporary boost just on this one thing i can spend a ton of money to make this super powerful weapon that all it cares about is magic but it's gonna make odin happy and he'll complete the challenge and you get some boot a bonus and he'll come say something awesome and say how great you are and then you get updates on how his quest went after that it's really fun so that's that's fun because those are the fun challenges that break up the usual cycle. This is the usual cycle. You scout nearby planets to see what weapons the adventurers there want. You craft them. You send someone to sell and someone to go get materials for the next batch. Other than that, it's these little breaks in between to keep it interesting. And of course, upgrading your shop. That's what this was supposed to be about in the first place. That's really what lets you hit these big milestones as you go through. Uh, you can buy tons of aesthetic things that give perks, like you put a crazy piece of art on the wall that boosts accuracy, or a giant rug that gives magic. Uh, so Not all of it makes sense, but it's fun and it changes the way your thing looks. Or, you know, more practically, you can build like an ice block fan gizmo that'll keep the place cool in the summer because there's weather and seasons that will impact worker stress. So if you don't have the fire in the winter, you know, it may cause problems with the, the crafting or your people freezing. They won't like freeze to death. It's not like a survival game but they won't be happy, they'll get sick, they'll need to go on vacations more, that sort of stuff. Or hey, when you get that sweet, sweet starch rolling in, you can just do what I did and blow it on building and upgrading a sweet dog house in the shop that adds a cute little adorable little sausage puppy. <laughs> oh, I guess it's a potato puppy. That makes way more sense. It looks like a little wiener dog. But it's a potato puppy that walks around, he hangs out in empty workstation spots, he doesn't help craft anything, he's just there to be cute and cool. Uh, I mean, maybe he does sign later if you keep upgrading him. I've dumped a lot of starch into him, and he hasn't done anything for me yet. Uh, I'm starting to feel like maybe it was a trap, but it's totally worth it every time he just sits there and looks at me with his little tongue hanging out. Anyways, reason number seven. It has all the best parts of Facebook games and none of the worst. <laughs> so I almost didn't want to call this a Facebook game at all, because I think a lot of people have negative gut reactions to that phrase. But this game is an example of why you shouldn't have those reactions, necessarily. The gameplay is basically like a great Facebook game. It's relaxing. It's a stress-free progression grind. You could just grind forever on it. You just put... It's a time sink, right? But there's fun systems to play with. There's no real punishment if you're bad at it or if you don't really pay super close attention. You aren't losing. You're just not as advancing as quickly as you could. It's super cute. It's whimsical. Art style. All that sort of stuff that I love about Facebook games. And because you just buy the game one time for a flappy, it doesn't have all that bad stuff that Facebook games throw in there. Like in Holy Potatoes, you can pause the game at any time or speed it up at two times, four times, ten times intervals. So you're never stuck waiting for things to happen. You just make it go whatever speed you want. So normally I play at normal speed. But then once I've lined everybody up in the right spots for crafting, I make sure everyone's where I want them to be. I crank it up to ten and just get through it and move on to the next one. Or when characters are traveling to another place, you just speed through it. 
And there's no tie-in to real-world time like a lot of Facebooks. You don't have to come back in 24 hours to do X or whatever. This is a legit PC game. It's not a trashy, free-to-play browser knockoff, right? There's no artificial paywalls or anything like that. It's just pure, fun, Facebook game-style time sync. And if that sounds fun to you at all, you can buy it for only 15 bucks. Links to the store and all the websites are on GameDiplomat.com, just like always, along with everything we talked about here and a video of me playing the game so you can check it out before you buy. And if nothing else, you can check out that sweet potato dancing, the Tater Twister. It's coming on! Or hey, you can just win a copy of the game for free right now. Daylight Studios sent us one key to give away on the show, and you can win it by answering this trivia question. Which of these is not a hero in the game? Luke Spudwalker, Neandolf the Grey, Harry Potter Toe, Wolverine, Robin the Rich. So send in your guess which one of those is not a hero in the game. You can email or tweet your guess to me. Links on GameDiplomat.com, as always. And the correct answer to last week's trivia question about Jump Hide and Dust Force was Dustworth, the old man with the leaf blower. So congratulations to Dylan, Chesky, Melancholy, and Nick, who answered correctly, and also to Fior, who, d- who answered wrong, but was lucky enough to win anyways, because we had five keys to give away. Uh, they each win a copy of Dust Force, which is a brilliant speedrunning platformer that you can learn more about on Episode 7. So congratulations! But if you enjoyed this episode of the show, you can leave a review on iTunes. You can join our Slack channel and Steam group and talk with us and play games. You can also donate some money to support the show on GameDiplomat.com forward slash donate. Or hey, just tell your friends about the show. But no matter what, thanks for spending your time with us. I hope you found a fun new game to play. In the next episode of Game Diplomat, we'll talk about Defender's Quest, a low-tech, high-fun, tower defense RPG. We'll see you then. Ooh. Mm-hmm.